we're just bringing our own chairs and um, we're going to have a good time. I know it's going to be hot, but we'll be in the shade of the big trees out there and we're going to have some good food, fun, and fellowship. So I look forward to seeing everybody at our picnic in two weeks. I'm putting the bug in your ear now so you don't forget. <laughs> All right. So, and I might say something again next week. And now, let us attune our hearts to worship as we hear praise. Call us anew 
to eat our fill and to find our true nourishment in Jesus, the bread of heaven. Amen. Now let's remain standing as we sing hymn number 281, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah.
Forgive us for those situations when seeing only a problem rather than daring to dream a solution has left us centered and powerless where we might have been building your kingdom. Forgive us, Father. Help us to transcend the self-centeredness, greed, and fear, and to always feel, think, and act as those who know the hope that is rooted in the generous giving of God. Today's Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 145, verses 10 through 18. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor 
of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. This is the word of the Lord.
I got to say, it's been the fastest month of my life. It has just seemed like it's flown by so far, um, but so grateful. So grateful that you invited me in to be part of your life. So grateful for your hospitality and warmth and support and, and encouragement and, and just the many different ways you've been our partners with us while we're here. So thank you. Um, and Ashley will be back, and I'm so glad that that's the case as well. But just know how grateful Carol and I are for your welcome to us. It really is truly uh, deeply appreciated. Let's now focus on the hearing of God's word from the New Testament, from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. As we're reading this, this is concluding our uh, brief series on surprising saints. Today we're thinking about surprising abundance. Listen now for God's word. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew where he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. A young preacher graduated from a Bible college and he was invited back to his hometown church to preach a sermon. He was determined to make a good impression on the folks back home and so he spent hours working on this particular message. He wrote it out word for word. He even went so far as to memorize it, practiced it over and over. He had this sermon ready to go. As the time approached to actually preach the sermon, the young preacher decided to add even a little more to it, a little drama to the beginning of the sermon. And so he started by pounding the pulpit really hard. And having their attention now, he said very dramatically, Jesus took 5,000 loaves and 2,000 fishes, and he fed five people. <laughs> and 
and he paused very dramatically and pointed his finger at the congregation and said, could you do that? <laughs> Everyone roared with laughter, and the preacher couldn't imagine what in the world was so funny about that. And to make matters even worse, one man actually raised his hand in positive response to the question he had just been asked. Well, that set the young preacher off. Sir, you are guilty of blasphemy, he said. How could you claim to do something only our Lord could do? At which point the man stood up and said, well, preacher, actually you kind of messed up your numbers a little bit. Confronted by his mistake, the young preacher was humiliated and just couldn't say another word. He sat down in utter and complete disgrace and confusion. The home church people, well, they felt so bad for him. They came up, they hugged him, they said, look, everybody makes mistakes. You just made a little mistake. Don't worry about it. Just work on it a little bit more. Come back and preach it again next Sunday, and we're sure you'll get it exactly right. And sure enough, the next Sunday, after yet more preparation, he stood up in front of the congregation, again using the same text. He started the sermon as he had before, pounding the pulpit dramatically and said, Jesus took five loaves and two fish, and he fed 5,000 people. Could you do that? Well, the same man in the congregation raised his hand again. And now the preacher is just livid and furious, and he says, Sir, how can you claim to do anything like that? And the man said, with the leftovers from last Sunday's sermon. Today we're thinking about some of the most famous leftovers in the history of food. It was the leftovers from the feeding of the 5,000, and while all the Gospels mention them, John and his Gospel gives particular emphasis to these leftover fragments. Hear the words again. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed that to all who were seated, so also the fish. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. They gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. Now, why does John provide us with all of that detailed information? Why was it so important to have that as a part of the story in the scriptures? What's so important about leftovers? Well, it seems to me that several things are going on here. The first is simply to give us some insight into the kind of people who reached out to Jesus for help that day. The fact that the Gospel of John goes out of his way to tell us that the loaves were made with barley underscores the immense need of the people in that particular crowd. You see, in those days, wheat was used for the bread of the rich. But barley was used for the bread of the poor and the slaves. That little boy, John points out, brought loaves of barley. And that told Jesus something about his life. So Jesus did what he always does. He received that little boy's offering just as it was. And then he turned it into abundance. And John writes, because of that, the people ate and they were physically 
satisfied. At least for a little while, they did not have to think about their emptiness. At least for a while, they knew what it felt like to be physically full. Even after eating barley bread, they were satisfied. Here's the first insight. Hungry people need food. Lonely people need friendship. Frightened people need comfort. A key part of Christian faith is meeting human need. And this miracle makes that abundantly clear, even if our resources for doing so are limited. Those who are hungry need to be fed. But I'm also convinced that Jesus wants to take us even deeper into this miracle. And I personally find great significance in Jesus' command that they gather up the leftover fragments of food. Now, there is, of course, a very practical dimension to such a statement. There was more than enough for those in need. That is no doubt a message intended for Jesus' disciples who were undoubtedly worried about their own future and what might happen to them next. The number 12 would have been a reminder of the 12 tribes of Israel who were sustained in their wilderness journey with the gift of manna. The God who had nourished them in the past would continue to do so in the future. Jesus is reminding them there will be more than enough to sustain you in the days ahead. As God has provided for you in the past, so also will God provide for you in the future. This is a core value for those living through a time of change and transition as we all are these days. The God of your past and present will also be the God of your future. And of course, that is true for this church as well. God will provide what is needed for you to be the church God is calling you to be. Now, I don't know all the details of what God's got in mind for this congregation. That's not my department, way above my pay grade to say the least. But I'm absolutely confident that you will receive what you need as a congregation to continue on doing what it is God has called you to do in this place as you have for more than three hundred years. But even beyond that, there is something else here that I find so very encouraging. I am moved by Jesus' instructions that all these fragments be gathered up so that nothing is lost. Now in a practical sense, that's good stewardship. In a culture where we tend to throw so much away, it is certainly a good reminder to reuse and recycle as much as we can. And so just very practically, this is a good lesson for us these days. But it also seems to me that there is a human dimension to this text. It seems to me that every one of us is in a way a broken basket of pieces, a basket of unfinished fragments. There are pieces of our life that seem somehow wasted, that seem to be of no use, or perhaps even worse, have damaged us greatly. Probably most of us can speak of broken dreams and broken promises, leftover bits that have mostly been tossed aside, but things that have left scars that may even years later be visible. Maybe it was the loss of a significant relationship. Maybe it was the loss of a beloved friendship that was splintered over some terrible miscommunication. Perhaps it was the loss of a job that you had assumed would always be there for you, or maybe it could be the loss of your health or your physical capacity. Or it could even be a very bad experience with a faith community that led you to leave the church for a while. My colleague, 
Mark Tidsworth says in his book, Shift, that he was very nearly one of those people. He writes, I was very nearly done, very close to quitting the church altogether in frustration. Between 2005 and 2006, our family experienced the perfect storm of trying circumstances, chronic illness, extended family changes, my workplace shifting for the worse, the new church we were in struggling to make it. Plus, I was doing conflict management with three different churches at once, an activity designed to suck the life out of anybody. All of this very nearly turned me into one of the duns, done with church. Finding God in the institutional church, he said, felt a little bit like a game of hide and seek. Maybe some of you have had that experience as well at times. We all have our broken pieces, our leftover fragments, and yet the good news of this text is that even the fragments, the leftovers, belong to God and can be used by God. Some personal sharing here. When I was in seminary many years ago now, I took a class required for all students called clinical pastoral education. The class was designed to teach us basic pastoral skills, like how to visit in the hospital room, what to say, what not to say, some of those kind of things. And it was a very good part of the class. But as a part of the class, we were also required to spend some time learning about ourselves, working with our own counselor for feedback and greater self-understanding, because as we were reminded, you don't enter a hospital room as a robot for God, but as a real flesh and blood person with a real spiritual journey. And so you better understand yourself if you hope to understand them. What I came to understand about myself was that I had a fair amount of unaddressed grief over the loss of my mother when I was just 13. I had buried that grief, convinced as I was that men shouldn't show any feelings, that men shouldn't cry, that they shouldn't show emotion. It was for me a broken fragment, a leftover piece of my journey. And my counselor and I spent a good bit of time talking about that and I came to understand the powerful role that in fact grief had played in my journey. But see, this is how God provides. Here was the amazing thing, the place of grace. At the same time that I was taking this class and learning this about myself, I was reading a book by a guy named Henry Nowen called The Wounded Healer. In that book, Nowen made the argument that all of us are wounded, but that our woundedness might also be the very place where we can be especially helpful to other people. Those whose lives are imperfect may in fact be perfectly suited to support people through their own brokenness, hence the phrase, the wounded healer. Well, what I can tell you for myself is that this fragment, this understanding of myself as a wounded healer eventually became central to my ministry. I came to understand myself as one called from that point forward not to have all the answers, but as one called to walk alongside people in their journeys and in their pain. I was called to share the good news of Jesus Christ, but not as one who always got everything right in his own life. I am still, to this day, a wounded healer. As someone else once described it, I have often found myself as one beggar telling the other beggar, 
where to find bread. And that's what I've been trying to do this month, to tell you where to find bread. See, that's what it is for all of us. Our calling is not to perfection. Our calling is to be honest about our own spiritual journeys, but also to recognize and affirm that God can and does use us just the way we are. God can and does use us just the way you are. Even with your wounds and your imperfections and your questions about your own giftedness, God says to you, but don't you see, I have gathered you up in my arms, saved you in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and named you as my own. You are my child, made whole by my grace, and even the broken places can be a place of witness and hope. So perhaps our calling is to keep our eyes open, to watch for those places where broken people are present and to join them in both a mutual journey and in hope. The God who redeems even the broken pieces and the leftover fragments can surely do the same with us. And if God is willing to use us even in our brokenness, the odds are we will make a difference for somebody else too. A final story. John Buchanan tells a story of a pastoral friend he made while serving a small church in Scotland. The pastoral friend's name was Johnny Dunlop, and one day Johnny shared something of his own journey that led to his decision to be in ministry. Johnny was in the infantry in the British Army in World War II. His unit was surrounded, and at one point they were captured, and he ended up as a prisoner of war in a POW camp. It was horrible, cold, wet, filthy, and worst of all, there was almost no food, just a bowl of thin soup and a scrap of bread once a day. Prisoners lost weight until they were skin and bones, contracted diseases, they began to die. The war at that point was not going very well. Well, the war began to turn a little bit after that for the Allies, but still, conditions at the POW camp didn't get better. In fact, they actually got worse until some prisoners just didn't want to keep living. One easy way to end it all, they learned, was to throw yourself against the barbed wire fence as if trying to escape, and you would then be shot instantly by the guards. Well, one night, Johnny was just so depressed, so discouraged, so sick with despair and hunger, he slipped out of the barracks and started to walk toward the fence not sure whether he ought to simply end it all. He sat down on the bare ground thinking, when suddenly he sensed what he thought was movement on the other side of the barbed wire, he made his way toward the movement where he found a Polish farmer. He had a half potato in his hand. He thrust the potato through the barbed wire and as Johnny Dunlap took it, the man said in heavily accented English, the body of Christ. Jesus told the disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. May that be your ministry and mine. In the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand if you are able to share in the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. Lord God, you are our creator and sustainer. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. And so we look to you whenever we are in need, trusting in your love and abundant goodness. As you once fed the hungry crowds with five loaves and two small fish, we again ask you to fill those who are empty today. Pour out your spirit on all who hunger and thirst. We pray today for those who are physically hungry, whose stomachs are empty. We think of people in this country and around the world who are facing critical food shortages, who are suffering the effects of malnutrition and starvation we are watching too often helplessly as loved ones suffer and even die. Lord, in your mercy, pour out your spirit so that all may be filled. We pray today as well, O oh God, for those who are emotionally empty, those who long for companionship and love, those who are caught in the grip of depression and who are overwhelmed in many cases with grief and loss. We pray for them, O oh God. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand, pour out your spirit so that they may be filled. We pray as well today for those who are spiritually empty, who are troubled but do not know where to turn, who look for purpose and meaning but don't know where to look, who heed you, and need you, and yet sometimes don't even see you. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand, pour out your spirit, so that they may be filled. God, we praise you for the abundant gifts that we have received in our lives. Pour out your spirit on us as well. Fill us with your compassion and your love so that we might share from our abundance and give to those who are truly in need. Oh God, we continue to pray for our 
community, for the church, for the larger church of Jesus Christ. We pray for our nation, for those who lead. We pray for justice and righteousness and peace. We pray acknowledging that sometimes we feel great brokenness in these places. We ask that you will bring healing to our troubled souls. And God, we want to thank you now for Jesus Christ, who showed us what it meant to be in your presence, who demonstrates the meaning of compassion, whose love for children was so abundant, who gave to those who were hungry and cared for those who were lonely and afraid. May we become ever more those who walk in his footsteps, serving as his disciples. And now we pray together the prayer that he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Again, a warm welcome to all of you. We are so glad that you are here today. As a part of worship, we always want to give thanks to God for all that we have received. We do that now as we give unto God our tithes and our offerings.
Let us pray. O God, who has fed us and nourished us, who has taken even the broken fragments of our lives and made them into something useful and good, we gratefully give back unto you that this ministry of compassion and hope will continue to grow and multiply even as did the loaves and fish in the days our lives, and all the ways in which we serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here now the last hymn, All Who Hunger, Gather Gladly. Reminder again that after the benediction, we will sit and hear the postlude, then the congregational meeting will begin immediately after the postlude. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of you this day and forevermore. Amen. <laughs> Thank you.
the session has called this congregational meeting for the purpose of electing a person to fill an unexpired term on the session. Let's begin this meeting with prayer. By your spirit, O oh God, you raise up men and women of faith to serve you in leadership in your church. We thank you for all those who have heard that call and have responded with their yes to your claim upon them. Guide us now as we continue to seek out those persons chosen by you for leadership. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask our clerk, Linda, if she can declare a quorum present. Thank you. We are then clear to begin the meeting, and I want to hear a report from the nominating committee, and I think that goes right back to Linda. name of Vess Kellett has been put before the congregation and you are willing to accept this nomination? Good, thank you. It comes from the committee, so it's before us, but we also, uh, as we do as Presbyterians, ask if there are other nominations from the floor. Hearing none, is there a motion that nominations close that she be elected by acclamation? Do I have that motion? Good, thank you. All in favor, please say aye. By your action and on that motion, you are elected as an elder in this church. Again, you're already an elder. You're back in the office again. <laughs> Very good. Is there a motion that we end this meeting? Second. All in favor, stand up. <laughs> if able. Let us pray. Thank you again for your spirit, O oh God, that makes it.